Welcome back once again, my friends. This is Shadows. And today we are going to delve into a couple more short, scary stories. We're going to take a break from the Book of Shadows for today. But I found a collection of stories that um, I think you guys will really be able to get into. The first one is called, It Wasn't a Little Girl. I was camping with my husband and his family at a small remote lake in New Mexico. There were about 10 people in our group and another group of six people in the next campsite. It was nighttime and both groups were doing typical activities, making s'mores, having a few drinks, telling stories, when we all heard what sounded like a little girl yelling out for help. Neither group had children with them but we were all positive we were hearing a little girl and decided to search the area we heard the noises from together. There was a field behind our campsites and we saw a very tall, pure white figure standing maybe 100 feet away from us in the field, making the noises. We all agreed this thing looked maybe six feet tall, skinny, and white as can be. We made our way closer to investigate but whatever it was that we saw started backing off as we got closer, and it disappeared into the trees. All night, we continued to hear a little girl calling us for help as we tried to sleep. The Walking Dead I'm a psychiatric nurse and early in my career. I worked at a residential mental health facility. One of our residents was an elective mute, which means that he didn't, wouldn't, couldn't talk. But there were no medical reasons as to why. He had spoken earlier in his life and, in fact, seemed quite normal back then, with the exception of being close to seven feet tall. He had been raised in the Deep South and joined the military when he was 19. But one night he vanished. He was declared AWOL. And eventually, he was declared missing and dead. Ten years later, a seven-foot man walked into a VA hospital emergency room in my part of the Midwest and said to the receptionist, My name is Marianne Duchesne, not the real name, and I've been dead for ten years. Those were the last words he ever spoke. He was covered with dust, and he was wearing the same clothes he'd been reported to be wearing the night he vanished. His social security number had not been used and had no identification on his person. However, they were able to identify him, I guess via fingerprints. The family was notified, but they said that they already grieved their lost man and whoever was claiming to be him simply could not be. They demanded never to be contacted again. Marion paced all day every day, moving his mouth that looked like talking or muttering, but no sound ever came out. He had an unnerving habit of throwing his head back with his mouth wide open as if he were laughing heartily, but not even a breath could be heard. If I talked to him, he appeared to listen, periodically throwing his head back in that laughter-mimicking way of his. Various medications were tried. They did not affect him either positively or negatively. Occupational therapy did nothing because Marion would just grin and unless told to stay put, he'd get up and start pacing again. On my last day of the job, the last thing I saw was Marion pacing in the parking lot, throwing his head back to laugh, 
Later, I wondered if all along I had been dealing with a ghost. All these years later, I still don't know. The unrest stop. I was driving across country with my mom and sister when I was 16 and my sister was 20. It was late, but we were all well rested, still and alert. We were driving along an interstate and needed gas in a bathroom break. So we stopped at the only rest stop in 200 miles. There was a van of teenagers on a road trip at the gas station, as well as a small gray car parked at the pump in front of us with two young men standing still outside of it. When we got there, everything felt wrong. We'd been on the road for days and seen many rest stops at night and had never been so afraid till then. My mom and sister went inside and I stayed in the car. I heard the teenagers say they were creeped out and couldn't get the pump to work and they left in a hurry. I was watching the car in front of us and the two men had not moved at all, not an inch. They were talking. They weren't on phones. They were just standing there, still as stone. My sister and mom came running back out to the car and when they got in, the two men slowly turned to look at us while not moving or pivoting the rest of their bodies. And I swear to fucking shit, we all saw the same thing. They had eyes dark as pitch and empty. Truly empty. Not black, not reflecting any light at all. Just a void. We sped out of there and didn't stop until we were in the next city. The worst thing about the entire experience? We couldn't find the place on any map. We knew exactly which spot on the interstate to look, and we couldn't find it on Google Maps or any paper map we had. We even asked locals about the creepy gas station out on the stretch of road and got only confused looks. We've traveled on that interstate since, and there is no rest stop. It came for us in the graveyard. We were driving my friend's really old beat-up Subaru through a massive graveyard. We stopped and walked down a hill and came across a little pond. There was something sitting on a rock on the other side of the pond. The figure was all black and we couldn't make out any features other than the fact that it looked like a man who was wearing some old-style top hat. We stupidly waved and shouted, Hi! He didn't show any acknowledgement and continued sitting still on the rock. All of a sudden, he jumped to his feet, started running to us on the water, and then vanished into thin water about halfway on the pond. My friends and I screamed and ran back to the car. The car wouldn't start, and we heard something banging on the back of the car. It wasn't a constant bang, but every few seconds or so we'd hear it. Nobody was outside from what we could see in the dark, but something was making a noise on the car. I opened my phone and started dialing my mom to come give us a boost, but I had no service. None of us had any cell service. The next 30 minutes were spent trying to get the car started. No banging was heard afterwards, but we felt this heavy pressure around us. Finally, the car started and she hit the pedal to the metal. We sped out of the graveyard so fast, immediately crossing the gates. All of our phones regained cell service. One thing I know for certain, is that someone or something was out there and it was not an animal or human. It was good to see an old friend. 
When I was 37, I went to my high school reunion. I flew into the nearest airport and rented a car. The distance was about 35 miles through a very rural and almost abandoned part of the country. About three miles outside of town, I see someone on the side of the road flagging me down. It turned out it was one of the guys I attended school with. Jim, which is not his name, gets in the car and we start talking. I had not seen him in 20 years, but he still looked the same, maybe a little older. We get to town and I ask him if he wants to come to the VFW and have a drink. He says, no, just take me home. Jim's parents had only lived a couple blocks from my grandmother's house and I turned into the direction, but he said to take him to the outskirts of town. There was a mobile home park out there and I figured that is where he lived. When he reached the end of the turn, he said, just drop me here. It was good to see you again. And he walks off into the night. I go to the VFW, meet some some old of my old friends, and we start to talk. As we're talking about who's coming to the reunion, I mentioned that I just picked up Jim three miles east of town and dropped him off. Everyone gets quiet and they start looking at each other. Even the guy singing karaoke stops and lays down the mic. My cousin gets as white as his new t-shirt. Bar, Jim died on that curb eight years ago. Rolled his car. We were all at his funeral. I started to really feel dizzy, and I went out of the, to the car to take some deep breaths. There on the seat is the local newspaper, printed eight years previous containing Jim's obituary. I still have the paper. Crazy guys, right? Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. After we moved into our home, we were told a woman had died there at the hands of her abusive husband. She hated men. My dad would wake up with scratches all over himself, and whenever my brother was mean to my sister or I, He would have scratches on him as well. One day, my brother hurt our sister. He hit her with something. When he woke up later that night, he had a horrible bloody nose. That day we moved out. My brother accidentally broke his twin's arm trying out a wrestling move. He swears that he would have died that night if he wasn't our last, if that wasn't our last in the house. I know, guys, that one was really short. Vengeful spirits, though, right? Moving on. Death came for him. I was standing in my parents' room, talking to my very sick dad at the time. He was dying of stage four esophageal cancer. I got the feeling something was behind me. I looked towards the doorway to the living room, and something about four foot six and fully black is peeking around the corner with his hands on the door frame. I ran towards it, and it slipped back around the corner. When I got outside the door, there was nothing. My dad was completely confused when I stepped back inside the room when I tell him. People who stayed at my house in my dad's final days claimed to have seen it. My mom saw the figure on multiple occasions in multiple places until he passed away. We haven't seen it since. Shadow people, guys, they're out there. That little thing you catch in the corner of your eye, don't dismiss it. They're really there. Moving on. My mother attracted evil. 
After my parents divorced when I was a teenager, I lived with my mother. I experienced lots of paranormal happenings. Several times when I was reading in my bed, the room would start to feel really icy. Next, it would feel as if something or somebody that hated me was staring at me. When I got that feeling, I would leave the room and come back an hour later. Sometimes during the day, I would see a shadow figure sneaking along my bedroom walls. Something in the flat was pretending to be my dog. I went into my room and I heard a deep growl from under the bed. My dog wasn't capable of making a noise that deep. It sounded like either a really big dog or a man doing his best dog impersonation. Other times, my dog would whimper and pace in the room next to mine, but wouldn't come when called, as if he were afraid of something in the hallway. When I moved in with my father, the paranormal activity stopped. <laughs> Evicted by a ghost. Shortly after college, I got married. We immediately moved into a basement apartment because that's all that was available within our budget. The place had a poltergeist and my wife was terrified. Whatever resided there with us made it clear it wanted to live alone. Dishes, glasses, and other items would fly off the shelf. My wife was hit several times. There was always an ominous feeling like we were being watched. At night, when we walked through the apartment in the dark, there would be insanely bright flashes of light that would illuminate the entire room. One night, while we were going to bed, as soon as my wife and I walked into the bedroom, we heard a voice from nowhere saying, my name, and then move. My wife looked at me. I looked at her. I said loudly, you've got it, bud. We moved out two days later and stayed with family. The old lady who owned the place died a few months later and the house was torn down. It is still an empty lot to this day. Nothing but grass and a tree. I still drive by it every now and then. I guess when the house tells you to get out, <laughs> that's exactly what you do. Or you stay like the Amityville Horror and the walls bleed and you kill your family. Anyway, the death march. My dad used to work as a corrections officer at a rural prison. He drove the perimeter of the property for his entire shift where he would check empty buildings for runaway inmates. It was generally a boring job. One night, my dad was parked on a hill reading a magazine when he started to feel a thumping in his body. He described it as a feeling you get when speakers are playing a song with really heavy bass. He put the magazine down and checked his rearview mirror where he saw someone outside the truck. He immediately grabbed his pistol and jumping out of the truck with his weapon drawn. Outside the truck, he realized it was a procession of Native Americans walking through the truck and directly through his seat, only to disappear at the exact spot where he was sitting. He said it was clear they were ghosts because many of them appeared injured. This went on for a few seconds, and then the whole procession disappeared. He called the other perimeter guy on his walkie-talkie to try to explain and the other guy almost immediately stopped communicating. Turns out the other guy had seen this happen before, but didn't believe in ghosts, so he wouldn't talk about it. Guys, how many of y'all see something that's there one minute and not the next, and you just discount it as your eyes are playing tricks on you? I must be tired. 
I'm seeing things. I bet more of you that um that would admit it, huh? Moving on. The demons room. I worked as a forensic nurse in a hospital's lockup unit. We had one older lady who swore she was being haunted and abused by the demon she would call Tiberius. So many crazy things happened while she was on that unit. We go into the room, do normal care, leave, and seconds later she starts screaming bloody murder. We run into the room to find her looking like she'd been in a fight with a boxing champ. Bloody lip, black eye, markings all over her body. No one ever saw her doing this stuff to herself. Things would get moved around by themselves. At one point, she was in protective restraints because the doctor thought she was hurting herself. There was no way she could have moved or done anything to herself while in those restraints, but new marks would appear or her tray cart would be thrown across the room. The room was secure, so there was no way someone else was doing this. When we asked her questions, she just said, It was Tiberius. After she was discharged, we almost always had trouble with that room. If there was going to be a rapid response or code, it happened in that room. One night, a guard reported lights blinking on and off, and it was in that room. I hope you guys enjoyed those stories. <laughs> Short, sweet, to the point. But then again, they also leave you thinking. And I think that's the most important part of any scary story. We all listen to scary stories, but do we ever think about where they come from? Do we ever really think about who is the source of them? It's 2021, guys. And with all the things that go on nowadays, you can't possibly still think that um, it's all somebody's imagination. <laughs> Take care, guys. I will see you on the next episode. Bye.